0: Friends, welcome to the Literacy Curators Podcast. This is Susan Schatz, and this episode this week is about the big D word decodables. Decodable texts oh, my goodness, talk about hot topics in literacy. This is one that can certainly get some flames flaring, if you will say. Um, so decodable texts, what are they? Why do we use them and how, how can we integrate them into a science reading aligned instruction in our whole group instruction and in small group instruction. So basically what, what are decodable texts? And this is primarily focused on grades K to two and uh, this discussion anyways, and the majority of words in a decodable text can be sounded out based on the sound spelling relationships Children have learned. And this is from Wiley Blevins, and he has a fabulous book I highly recommend called Choosing and Using Decodable Texts. I've really found some really practical and valuable information, and much of it is cooperated with um, some of the founders of UFLY and Timothy Shanahan, and they all, um, everybody has a little bit different opinion, which is great, but there are some commonalities and some things that we can learn as a whole of how to use decodables why we need to use them, and um, what they're all about. So basically it's about controlling the phonic skills that are presented in a text based on what we've taught students thus far. And it gives the students the opportunity to apply the skills. So, according to Wiley Blevins and the research that he cited in his text and I really appreciate it because he broke down each research article and shared what went well with decodables and what doesn't hasn't gone well in the past and acknowledges there's not a ton of research around them but the research that we have is pretty powerful so basically what is important is when we use decodable texts with early beginning readers students then learn to use the sound decoding patterns that skilled readers use. So they learn to look at all the elements of the words, all of the sounds in the word and break it apart and blend it back together to read the text. In the leveled readers, students are more inclined to look at the first letter and then the picture and kind of guess the word based on that. And over time that that kind of hinders them eventually because they haven't learned to map the sounds onto letters and vice versa and really push themselves to decode the whole word. So students give them, or decodable text gives students the opportunity to apply the phonics skills that we've taught them in a way that empowers them because it's within a realm of what? they are able to do. Now, this is one of the challenges of decodable text. So say you have a kindergarten class. You could very easily have a student who is just beginning to learn letters and sounds. Say this is, you know, February of kindergarten. You have some students that aren't at grade level that are still working on developing letter and sound mastery. Then you have other students that are could easily be in the second grade range. So if you're having each student read the same decodable text, You're gonna have some students that are high readers not engaged, and you are gonna have other students become frustrated. That's what the research supports. So what we need to remember with decodables that we need to differentiate them just like we would anything else. We can do them whole class in, in brief tidbits to reinforce the skill taught that day, because even strong readers can still use cumulative review and have a little bit of it. But then when it goes into small group time, that's where we can provide scaffolded support and differentiation to help students work at their just right level with their phonemic and phonic, phonemic awareness and phonic skills. So How do we do that? Well, firstly, I think there's a little bit of work is to understand what makes a good decodable text. And I think this is one of the things that Wiley Blevins does so phenomenally well in his book, is he really helps us to understand that the ones that most of us can't stand, the really dry, awful, terrible decodable texts are really that, they're terrible, they're awful. They're not great for readers because they use these like, words that are not common in our oral language as filler words, just so they can become more decodable. So I think it's important to know the three elements, um, the characteristics of a decodable text, and that helps us to know um, whether or not the one we're using is of any value. So basic, and then this also helps us compare decodable text and leveled text. So a good decodable has a high amount and it it depends who you talk to but maybe around 80%. That is not there's no research to support the exact amount so maybe about that much is decodable which means it's based on the phonics patterns that have been taught to the student thus far. Then there are high frequency words words like mm-hmm. the that we um, know occur frequently and commonly and that have been explicitly taught to students as well. Then there are words that students need to rely on the first sound and the picture to read. And that might be a bit, um, well, it can be confusing. I mean, to me at first I was like, well, I thought that's exactly what we were trying to avoid. But the thing is, is a low level of that is okay because it helps the text be much more readable. So if we have a text that is very high, first and foremost has decodable words based on what the student's been taught this far, then step two, high-frequency words, then step three, just one or two of those words where the student uses the picture and the first sound to figure out the word to anchor the text into a more meaningful story. That's okay. Leveled readers are the opposite. Typically, if you analyze leveled readers, they follow a pattern. Decodable texts may have a tiny pattern in the beginning, but they break the pattern purposely and specifically so that the student has to rely on their phonics skills to get through the word. Then those leveled texts are very high in these words that rely on the first sound and the picture for the student to figure them out then high frequency word, and the lowest percentage of words are words based on the phonics skill that the student has been taught in that instructional cycle or taught previously that year. So that's the big difference between decodable and leveled text. And then it's the big reason of why we need decodable text in our reading diet. So I think of it like... Think of a Mediterranean diet or a plant-forward diet, Um, me, I love food so much, um, and I really love great salmon or a great steak and all of that, but I know I need to eat my greens, right? And that has to be kind of the, the healthier I am or the times when I'm healthier is the times that I'm putting produce at the forefront of my meal. In kindergarten through first and second grade, you, um, if you think of it like a pyramid, you think of it like a triangle, the amount of decodable text needs to be like eating your fruits and vegetables. It needs to be the basis of your reading, applied reading diet. Now, obviously you still want a lot of teacher read-alouds and yes, you can still even have some other fun trade books in the mix. We don't need students to read 100% decodable books but we do need them to be a big part of their diet when they are early readers, and that's part of getting to know your students as readers because you might have, like I say, a kindergartner who is really a very strong reader and needs actually fewer decodables than their peer next to them who is really just a very, very beginning reader. Most kindergartners still need a very healthy dose of decodables no matter where they are in their reading, but the student who is the more emergent reader needs more decodables than the more advanced reader. And you will see decodables phased out towards the end of second grade or much. You do not need as heavy of a dose of them at that time. But in kindergarten and first grade, think of them like your fruits and vegetables. You need a lot of them and you need them frequently every day. And you need them in a framework that fits and that is digestible. So if somebody just handed me raw spinach and that's what I had to eat by itself, I wouldn't think that tasted very good. But if they sauteed it and put it with a little bit of cheese and my favorite toast and some chicken, I probably would think that's pretty delicious. So same thing with decodables. I think that's probably a funny analogy, but basically we need to make sure they're well written so the student enjoys them and that's why it has those varying characteristics um, where there is some, the meaning to the story. And then we also need to present them to the student in an engaging way. And so how do we do that? How do we make decodable texts more digestible? Well, firstly, uh, according to Blevins, um, and this is also supported with other researchers outside of him, I just feel like if you're gonna get any book, if you're wondering about decodables, the choosing and using decodable text from him is probably the most user-friendly for K-2 teachers. Um, And this formula is out of that. And I really do a lot of research, as you know, with visible learning and the phases of learning. And when you think of teaching for mastery, which is what we want to do, that's what has the super high effect size. We think about surface deep and transfer phases of learning. So surface learning has a lot of like building familiarity, building background knowledge and direct instruction. So same thing with decodable text. You are going to provide direct instruction with a phonics, um, you know, pattern of the week. It might be a i, it may be a y, and you might have a text that shows how those two a patterns are used uh, differently and have different spellings. Um, But basically, you are going to provide direct instruction explicit systematic instruction around phonics pattern. And when you introduce a text to a student, you are going to build background knowledge, look at the title, look at the front cover, just like you would with any regular text and orient the reader to the text. So that way they are able to engage all of their vocabulary and oral language understanding that's critical to early literacy as they go about reading this text. So I think that's kind of a big aha. Um, is that decodable texts are focused on phonics, but they are part of an integrated reading system as we develop readers, whole student readers, that um, need to engage with oral language, vocabulary, comprehension, and phonics in order to be engaged readers. So backing up, how do we do that? We engage the reader, we orient them to the text. Then we have also have had some direct explicit instruction around a phonics skill. And we do this, we use those decodables daily in bits. Then to deepen understanding, we reread. The students in might partner read, they might whisper read and then partner read, but they're rereading that decodable text to build fluency and to build mastery. And then from there, moving into a deeper phase of learning is dialogic instruction. So when you want to deepen a student's um, understanding of a topic, engage in teacher-led and then peer-led dialogic instruction. So discuss the text to develop comprehension and understanding. It solidifies the phonics patterns and it just creates um, that oral language connection with the text. Then, write about the texts to provide opportunities for children to apply and transfer their phonic skills to writing. So when we teach with decodable texts, yes, it's about the phonics, but it's also about the phases of learning, surface direct instruction, building awareness, deep dialogic instruction, comprehension, discussion, transfer, apply to other areas that could be in their writing and it could be um also in transferring it to other texts that you have so say you don't have a huge classroom repertoire of decodable texts, you can still know your phonics pattern of the unit focus and then use some of your other typically leveled readers pull them in but highlight the phonics pattern in those texts to help the students transfer their understanding of the words they read in the decodable text to some of their other books. So that's kind of a bridge until you have um, maybe the repertoire of high-quality texts that you have. Um, but And then word building, any other ways they can apply these skills in uh, in context and then in another way through writing. So basically why do we need decodable text? They help a student develop the decoding skills that skilled readers use. And that is to move through the whole word, paying attention to all the sounds of the word, breaking it into pieces and blending it together so they can read and rely on that letter sound correspondence in order to become a skilled reader then, and we know what good decodable texts are. They're texts that have these different characteristics that are meaningful, that have a high level of decodability, but it doesn't mean they're 100% decodable. It means that they are more appealing because they have a little meat to them, a little bit of a fun story. And then how... We move the students through the phases of learning by connecting the decodable text to background knowledge and explicitly taught um, phonics skills or phonics patterns. We use them frequently. We deepen understand it through repeated readings and also dialogic instruction or compre- um, conversational instruction. And then we apply their knowledge through writing. So the phases of learning that apply to any subject or any topic also apply to decodable texts and i hope this is a way for you to know why to embrace them in k2 and kind of know where they fit in the diet they're not everything we don't only need to read decodables but we need a lot of them for a healthy early literacy learner all right take care